Hello and welcome to the Football Babble, recording a wee bit later on Tuesday night here, just after 10 o'clock. Myself, Phil, uh, Brenton and Steve. Hello lads, we're sitting down to chat about the weekend's football just happened. Champions League obviously tonight, Chelsea are getting a win at home to Lille 2-0. Juventus drawn away to Villarreal and there's more Champions League action coming up tomorrow night and a bit of Premier League football as well. Uh, first of all, we'll get it Brenton quickly. Chelsea... Mm-hmm. Were they back in the groove tonight? No, they got a 2 0 win, or was it still a wee bit? Was everything still not clicking? Um, interestingly, um, by the time this comes out, people will know, but Lukaku didn't start. Um, he was left on the bench for 90 minutes. Um, uh, Havertz started uh, number nine, um, along with Pulisic and Ziyech. Very good. Very, very good. Um, mobile um uh, all the talk at the weekend was about Lukaku's touches um like he's seven all game maybe against Palace um Havertz had more in the first 14 minutes um than Lukaku did all game on on Saturday so that tells you um kind of all you need to know he was just picking up lovely positions and the sort of inside number 10 rules um spinning and going um, he'd, he'd like three chances in the first 10 minutes he probably should have had a hat trick but um, good header uh, from a corner um, Chelsea were better, I wouldn't say they were at their best um, Lille offered, they definitely offered some threat um, Renato Sanchez which um, some people probably thought his career was dead in the water um, he was Lille's best player tonight probably by a good bit um he was good coming from midfield but the it broke down um it broke down and when they got to the final third for Lille um Pulisic got the second goal um sort of 20 25 minutes into the second half um and Chelsea kind of I wouldn't say cruised from there Lille had a lot of the ball but um Thiago Silva and Rudiger especially just so solid at the back and with Lille not offering too much in the final third they were just able to sweep everything up um so to, you know tie isn't over but um i think Lille would need to would need to work on how they're going to break down that that chelsea back three um because it, it looked back to its solid best tonight um we're chelsea looking you mentioned obviously no lukaku just just on lukaku uh, would you start him on Sunday in the League Cup final? I know you're going to ask me that. Um, no, I don't think I would. Based off yeah. tonight, um, I, I think the only thing that may work in his favour is Mount got injured in the Club World Cup. He was only on the bench tonight. Ziyech went off injured. It looks like he's maybe pulled... Um, his calf, tendon in his calf, maybe possibly. It looked, there was nobody around him when it happened. That was one of those ones. So, um, you know, it, that'll be good news for Liverpool as well as Kovacic went off um, just a minute into the second half with um, with a muscle problem. So, um, Chelsea a wee bit, a wee bit short maybe on Sunday, which may work into Lukaku's favour. Havertz could play, you know, off the left and and Pulisic off the right or or the opposite with Lukaku through the middle. I can't see Timo Werner starting. Mount, maybe a bit soon for him. So that's a possibility. But if we're talking just number nine, straight number nines, 
at the minute, I would I would have to favor Havertz because he's he's getting into goal scoring goal scoring positions and he's he's also scoring goals. So you know, if you're Tuchel, you have to just especially for a cup final a one off game like that, you have to just go with what's working. Yeah, I think you would agree there too, Steve. There's something we I think we all thought Lukaku was going to hit the ground running and like be the main difference for Chelsea in the league and in obviously the Champions League this year and. I don't know. He did for like two games. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was he was excellent for for a couple of games at the start, and then uh, there's a weird thing going on with him and Tuchel at the minute, Steve, as well. If you hear Tuchel talk about even about Sunday there, or sorry, Saturday, he he sort of glosses over the fact and glosses over Lukaku. It's a strange situation that's going on with your hundred million pound striker, like yeah. <laughs> Like he came out the season, and I did he say, or maybe it was before the game, he said that he wasn't playing because he's exhausted. Like, yeah, he's he's played 33 games of football this season, like, he can't be exhausted. Like, I know he tends to play the 90 minutes when he plays, but at the same time, a professional should be able to manage 33 games of football, uh, in a season without being exhausted. I just don't think that the way Chelsea are set up at the moment is it's designed for that kind of what he does well which is that turn on the edge of the box kind of style of play um you saw this evening a lot of the chelsea attacks they kind of began in defense and they played the ball through midfield and the, the forwards were picking up the ball fairly deep and then attacking and driving in attacking from there and that just doesn't suit lukaku's game at all um so for me it's I think Tuchel's in a damned if he does, damned if he doesn't kind of place because you don't want an upset player in the squad that might cause disharmony because obviously, you know, Lukaku's going to have mates within the team and stuff like that. But at the same time, you can't play him. So he's in this really weird situation where he has to keep coming up with excuses for for not really playing him. Um, and ultimately, like, it, it, it looks like all the kind of um concerns that everyone had about Lukaku maybe signing back with another big club have come to the fore again this inability to actually turn it on when things matter the most um and that's it's it's not great like again I, I'm just looking at his stats here for for the season he's had he averages less than two touches in the 18 yard box um this season for club and country for a man who makes his living in the 18 yard box it's just nowhere nowhere near good enough um and i think chelsea are right to kind of just move on without him well we'll see on um on sunday with when tammy tooch announces his team and um who plays where but it, yeah it's certainly one to watch the lukaku story and even going in if it if it stays the same going into the summer like we want what do chelsea do um, but on Chelsea, Brenton and Steve, we have to mention like Chelsea's owner could be quiet for a while because, um, obviously, big Vlad Putin, um, has took the head wobbles here and has decided he's going to bring back the old get the old gang together, the old USSR is coming back, um, by the looks of it. And obviously, there's been talk about um sanctions and stuff and different things going on, Brenton and uh, Ronan Bramwich being uh Russian, obviously, and ha- having friendship ties anyway to to putin beforehand so it's a strange situation 
Brent, define yourselves in like with a club because obviously Abramovich is adored by Chelsea because of what he's done and rightly so. But then you could find a bit here now where he's again he's sort of barred and he's not like anywhere near the club. It's real weird. It's weird, but but Chelsea's a chaos club. Like, um, this this is like to... this is ultimate. This is yeah. But honestly, for as long as. I have lived. Chelsea have been uh, nuts, like, and it seems they seem to to thrive off it. Um, the the team on the pitch, no matter what's going off, what's going on off the pitch, seems to keep producing results. Um, and that's all. Like, ultimately, that's the only bit I care about. Um, yeah. but yeah, it is. It's definitely weird. Like, it. It. I mean, for a good part of the season. Abramovich wasn't allowed in the country um, anyway. So, you know, we're kind of used to it at this point. Um, if things escalate further, yes, you know, it might call into question how, how the club is going to be funded, run on a daily basis. But I don't think we're there yet. I think in the first round of sanctions, he he um, he wasn't named. He wasn't name-checked. He was, he was name-checked maybe in, um, as to why he wasn't on the list. Um, but I think if <clears throat> if this first part doesn't work, which it probably won't, in terms of what the the politics says, um, we might see see I Roman called into the into the firing line again. But he's not. I think he's he's off the Caribbean somewhere at the minute, or you know, in the Bahamas or whatever. Uh, somebody spotted all the yachts. Um, all the Russians are are not home, um, and they're not maybe where they normally are working so it kind of strikes me as it's, it's a waiting game yeah we'll wait in this yacht and, and see where we're where we're allowed to go yeah um it's like of course football is somehow in intertwined within this steve like of course it is if somehow it finds itself within this uh murky and horrible situation that we could face here but um the there mightn't be any much Gazprom drunk uh, come 28th of May because it looks like it's going to get moved, the Champions League final. Um, obviously, we all want it moved to the Viva. I don't even think the Viva's mentioned. I don't think, I don't think no. it's big enough, but it's probably looking like it's going to be Paris or Munich. Um, but, yeah, like, Munich yeah. seems to be the front runner for it. But like, it has to be moved. Like, you, can't, you can't host the Champions League final uh, in a country that's openly hostile to another European nation. Um, yeah. It just like if we're even playing football then, because who knows how this might escalate in 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 the meantime. Hopefully we are, and hopefully it all gets sorted. But I would say it's already like you know this the kind of build up to this has already affected Abramovich. I think one of the mining companies he owns has lost like seven hundred million dollars now. For a man who's worth thirteen and a half billion, it's that's not a huge amount of money, but um it's still having an impact so like it is interesting that like one of our one of our ways back from from the brink here one of our ways potentially out of it is the likes of roman abramovich feeling it in his pocket um because obviously these are people who not necessarily abramovich himself but there are other people within that circle who have become wealthy because of vladimir putin's kind of attitude uh to to handing over state assets to private individuals and stuff in the past and 
I wonder if if people see their pocket threatened, will you know, will that support that unwavering support of Putin like kind of hit it? And we know that there are fewer fewer richer people in the world than football club owners. And uh, you mentioned Gazprom there, like I mean that alone is 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 one thing that could potentially play a huge huge part in all this as well, like that that flow of gas and stuff. And it's just it's mad to think that like you know that we are in a situation where we have to start thinking about moving football games um but at the same time you, you watch a champions league draw or you watch a world cup qualifying draw and certain countries can't be drawn against other countries because mm-hmm. of you know historical problems between them and and, and things like that and like Sport is supposed to be a replacement for all of this. Like we're not supposed to have wars anymore because you can compete at the Olympics against each other to prove your dominance as a as a country or whatever. Like, but uh, Putin seems to be very much um, old school. If anyone watched his or listened to his ramblings the other day about like ninth century Russia and and things like that, like it's just it, they're not they're not the words of a sane man. And I hope that no. you know sanity comes true in the end. As well, just uh, the football's notice? been here before. Sorry, Brent. Football's been here before and very and recently. They played the um, the Europa League final between Chelsea and Arsenal in Baku, and Henrik Mkhitaryan couldn't play. Mm. And at the time, it was all like, "Oh, Mkhitaryan can't play." And we probably should have, as a collective, and I'm talking about football in general, probably should have stood up more for this. And probably then I was, really... I, I'm I'm a huge believer in stuff like that. Like that, if, why are we, why are we sacrificing individuals at you know at the altar of of mad state or religious kind of fucking shenanigans? Like, and we do it all the time. Like, um, and it's a shame. Like, football should be bigger than sports should be bigger than that. Yeah. Sorry, what were we gonna say, Brenton? I was just gonna say it. It st- struck me. Um... The, the straight away after the halftime break or whatever, the first thing you see is a Gazprom ad. And, <laughs> and I was wondering, I was looking out for it and wondering if it was going to be pulled. And I, you also saw the um, uh, road to St. Petersburg everywhere. Yeah. Um, I think a few journalists were, were saying on the um, on the route into Stamford Bridge um, that was everywhere. So uh, maybe more noticeable now that... Um, it we likelihood is it's not going to be there, but um, you know these sort of media agreements and um, everything it, it normally passes you by, um, but when it's highlighted like this, you, you see how the you know how it gets into our society so easily through through something like something that we all love, which is the football, but it's it's always there, it's always fading in. Um and something that is usually just a subconscious thought um is is very much in the forefront. Yeah. It's a shame really as well because like St. Petersburg is definitely I don't know like listeners are are overly familiar with it. Like it used to be Leningrad. That's how old I am. It used to be called Leningrad. But it's like it's an absolutely gorgeous city. Like loads of cruises and stuff go there. Like it's real bucket late bucket list place. Yeah. And for a football final to be there was like a massive coup for Russia as well. Because obviously, you know, there are people who argue that Russian teams shouldn't be in the Champions League and stuff like that for whatever about that argument. I think that that's well passed and stuff like that. But 
I think that like it's a shame because it would have been an amazing setting, I think, for a Champions League final. And you know, it's not yeah. it's not quite like you know the same Munich or Paris where you know venues we see all the time. Um, but it, yeah, that's I know it's a minor thing in the the grand scheme of what's happening recently. Because um, Moscow was good too, Steve. Um, uh, yeah. I know it wasn't. Uh, obviously the result that i wanted but um i remember thinking at the time it was different you know as well from yeah. from the usual mainland european stadiums that we see it's, it looks like it's going to go to munich or, or to barcelona as well saying as they're clearly not going to have a team in the final no um and then tomorrow night there's more Gazprom, obviously as uh manchester united play atletico madrid in madrid steve um Two teams, not at the peak of their powers, certainly not over the last decade or whatever, but I, I don't know, what's your feeling on this game tomorrow night? I think it's there for United to win, to be honest. Um, yeah. Not necessarily because of how well they're playing, but equally, Atletico Madrid aren't playing particularly well, is it? Three wins and two losses in their last five La Liga games. It's like hardly the consistency that we've kind of come to expect. I think the biggest thing for me is just how much they're conceding. Like I think they've conceded over 30 goals already this season. And one thing we know United can do is score. Um, to the other end tends to be the problem a lot of the time uh, with United. But I was like, look, I said it. I said it several several times on this this podcast if man united got to play leeds every week they'd look like the best team in the world because leeds are particularly well <laughs> set up um for united to beat them regardless of who the manager is but yeah i, I was like i haven't been it's probably the least i've watched man united in the last like in my entire life over the last few weeks because things took a really really grim turn probably the aston villa game where they were tuning it up and then conceded the two late goals i think from then on it's kind of been just a a really frustrating run where they dominate like like sections of the opening half of a game and you think okay there's something happening here this could be a really really good team playing a really really good system and then people just take their foot off the gas and it's it they're just so vulnerable down through the middle um the two goals they conceded on 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 sunday were just like it was a joke like it was the schoolboy stuff in terms of the defending and stuff um but at the same time they they gutted it out again in a really hostile atmosphere on a pitch that was essentially a bog um and the substitutions made all the difference and that was always my criticism of Solskjaer was he was too slow to make substitutions to have an impact on the game and yeah. and and Ralph doesn't seem to be to be like that at all he seems to be very willing to just make changes that really have an impact. Um, couldn't get any better we, than, than at the weekend. Sorry, you couldn't get any better than the yeah, subs exactly. at the weekend. Yeah, like um, I just thought I thought it was a really like gutsy performance, and that's not not something you could say about this Manchester United team over the last number of years, uh, and but particularly over the last number of weeks. So I don't get carried away. As I said, it's Leeds, but like. You know, you'll take it. It's not exactly. It's not like Madrid or world beaters at the moment either. So, um, I have a sneaky suspicion. I've said this in the WhatsApp group a few times. Like, I, I have a feeling United could make a run in the Champions League, um, and it wouldn't at all surprise me to see them there, or there about to come the final, wherever it's held. Do you think as well, though? Um, part of that, part of the thing with the good starts, 
Um, it could be that, because see, on, on paper and when they line up, especially going forward, United look ridiculous. Like the names are just frightening. And I think part of it could be as well that teams sort of start off tepid and sort of take a little bit of time to get worse. And I'm not just going back this to be bold here, but like Liverpool went at them straight away from the start because they fronted them up. And it obviously it sort of do you know do you know what I mean by that, Steve? So No, I do, like, I know exactly. I, what you mean. I, I think that right. there has been there has definitely been improvements. Sancho was found his feet. He's been great the last couple of games. Um I and it'll be interesting. I think tomorrow night is a real you're right on the Leeds thing, like whatever reason, <laughs> Leeds have come back in the Premier League and just seen the love like playing or not love, but you've seen the love playing against them. Um and tomorrow I think tomorrow night will be a bit of an acid test because it is going to be a full packed Wonder Metropolitano, it's sort of Simeone's last dance, really. Like it sort of feels like because the league season isn't going well for him, and he's all they've always coveted a Champions League European Cup. They've, they've had so many heartbreaks in it, and, and you know you know you know what you're going to be facing tomorrow night when you go to the Wonder Metropolitano. It's going to be horrible, mm. and it'd be interesting to see what he does and what and and if you need to come through this, a clean sheet and a comfortable win, two or whatever, three nil, then. I think then, like the rest of us who have paid attention, will start to go. Oh, there is actually something coming through here because you're they have been so inconsistent, um, at the minute. And tomorrow night is 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 a a really good game, really big game for them if they can nail it and get this could be a you're right a springboard. I know you don't think momentum is a real thing, but it, for the rest of us, this could be a a momentum <laughs> springboard for United to go forward into the rest of the season. So I think tomorrow night's massive. Yeah, I think what's helping them is that a lot of people are like marking Atletico as favourites purely on their form in Europe over the last like half a decade rather than on their actual yeah. current form. Different side there though. Yeah, it's a completely different side. And I think it's it's funny how like they're very they're almost identical. I think United are yeah, the United are played twenty six, scored forty four, conceded thirty four. And Madrid are played twenty five, scored forty five, conceded thirty four. Like there's 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 a sheet of paper between them in terms of like how well they've played the season or whatever. And but I feel like I feel like United can set up for a draw. And I think it depends on what it's like you said, if if Madrid, who don't traditionally take this approach, go at them from the start, they could be in trouble. But that's not Simeone's, you know, approach to football at all. He tends to be that <laughs> bit more cagey. I do still think that they could they could spring at like they could get at United later on in the game because that does seem to be the weakness. That, that fifteen minutes before and after half time really does seem to be a weakness for, for United for whatever reason. And I don't know if it's fitness levels, I don't know if it's lack of concentration, but um that that's that's the risk for me. But I think late on in the game, if United are there or thereabouts you know, if it's a draw, I think United will actually go for they'll go for the win, especially if it's scoreless and they need to get that away goal or whatever. Um, so for me, I, 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 I'd be surprised if United don't come through the tie, to be honest. And I know that seems so strange considering how down I've been on them recently, but I think there's enough building and enough clicking in little parts of games that it. it surely has to come through they're too good a squad it's the players individually are too good the manager is too knowledgeable and i think 
I saw Michael Cox's tweets there about about recently about about the style and the approach and stuff like that. It's <laughs> just <your> <laughs> Like what a fucking dickhead! Like, like oh god. I mean, he he criticizes. Never come on the podcast. No, I know, but like, <laughs> fuck him. Like he criticizes Dragnik for like being too technical, being too set in his ways. Literally three months after praising him for how technical and how set in his ways he is for not for not like you know succumbing to 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 uh, the kind of the flavor of the month or whatever, and it's it's just to me is. It's a bizarre approach to take to, to kind of analyzing football, but that's besides the point. I, I think I've seen enough that, like, I, I'd worry about United playing like a Liverpool, a City, a PSG, absolutely, because they're all teams that can, you know, run right from the start. But, you know, I think there's enough for United um, to that they'll get through this tie. What do you think, Brenton? Yeah, I think Atletico, um, when you look at them this year, they're conceding way more goals than they usually do. I think they've conceded the most in the top 10 in La Liga, which is unheard of um, for a Simeone side. Um, and as much as I hate to admit it, um, <laughs> I do think there are there are sparks. I think Steve called them sparks coming from United. Um, and I think they they have enough to if united are savvy about it um i think they have enough to to get a a good lead um going back to old trafford um and that could it could kill off atletico i think this you know the atletico side at the minute are at a they're probably at a at a crossroads in terms of like um new players coming through um and they're not quite there um and as you say Simeone is is probably coming to the end of his tenure um I don't think they're anywhere near as big a threat as they once were in Europe um and if United like still on paper if you you know go to the Wanda and, and beat Atletico and beat them over over the two legs um that can be something that um can push them on United for the rest of the season and you know, it, it's very easy for United now. It, it's a two-pronged approach. It's top four and it's Champions League. Um, and I think that'll that'll help them. Um, uh, I think the the type of uh, job that, that Ragnik's doing at the minute, it would overcomplicate it to be, you know, in more than more than that in terms of fights. Um, and I think if he can... And we also know, um, you know, Ronaldo loves the Champions League. Uh, there's something about it that fires him up, um, especially against Atletico. Um, and I know Steve might not believe in it, but that could build momentum in that competition. Um, and uh, the, you know, there is a possibility that I don't, I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll win it. I think there's there's squads that are stronger, um, but you know, they give it a right go. Um, no, um, listen to the Chelsea game tonight. No English side so far has conceded any goals at this stage in the Champions League um, this year. So, thought that was quite interesting. The English sides will will definitely be there or thereabouts. Steve's about to say, "Oh, you put the squad on United there because they're no, no, I, I don't believe." Yeah, I know what you're trying to do. 
<laughs> um, Steve, you mentioned obviously uh, about uh, a rule you wanted to bring. Obviously, there's no way goals uh, this year in the Champions League. But you said before we started the podcast, you have a mad rule you want to bring in? Not a mad rule, but something that might make the second leg. So, you know, a lot of the talk saying the City tie and stuff like that was that the tie was over um after the first leg and teams putting putting two legged ties to bed after the first game you know away goals were flawed but at least they gave you i suppose they gave you something to think about in the second um the second leg so what i was thinking was i don't know if you any of you were watching the uh the all-star game at the weekend so um, and they had uh what was called an elam ending e-l-a-m um they probably pronounce it Elam ending because they're American or whatever. But that was brought in three years ago to honor Kobe. And what it was was whatever team if if you if one team was winning say a hundred to ninety at the end of the third quarter, the winning score was 124. And it didn't matter what time it took to get there, that was the score. If they got there in a couple of minutes, that was the final score if they didn't. So it was like they made a number that was the target. And what's happened since is that obviously the team that's been losing at the end of the third quarter has actually won two out of the three years because they've had that target and they've fed, you know, they've aimed for a certain point. So my thing is why not we why don't we have something similar in football? So if a team is winning two 0 after the first leg, it's the first to four in the second leg. It's the first to score four over the course of the tie wins the tie. Um, so it's that kind of way of like it's not quite away goals, but it's like not killing the tie in the in the first leg sometimes you know so that's my that's my interpretation of uh, of the rule so it's not completely the mad of, well, the the likes of the man city tie at the minute though like what what would it be set at it's five nil like. yeah i mean there yeah there you're gonna have to set it at like eight <laughs> so but do you know what i mean like it's say for the say for the team that's say for the team that's 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 got the five right and we set it at eight they know if they get three quick goals then the tie's over and they don't have to play 90 minutes and it's not wasting anyone's time. So it's 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 it benefits the team that's like in the lead as well because they have a, 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 an incentive to end the game quicker and we don't have dull, boring 90 minutes that we don't want to see because the tie is already over. Yeah, I, I do get it. Although in certain situations you're going to get where fans have paid money to go to a game and it's over within 15 minutes. <laughs> I, More interesting I, than me on TV. <laughs> yeah, it's it's better for us because we watch it at home. But um, no, I, I actually do yeah, like uh, it. I do. I do. I, I would set it at um, like uh, two or three. You know, I, I would set the imagine the final right first score two goals wins. It'd be a fucking chaos. Um, you think would it have been, My worry is that like if, if say it was two, right? Would I think two would be too negative? Would encourage too much defensive football, whereas three would encourage attacking football. Yeah, okay. So that's where I think yeah. it's first for three would and like look, it's never going to happen because you know football is ninety minutes long, blah blah blah. But I still think and you know obviously American our basketball is divided up into four quarters, so it's easy. You can you you're guaranteed to have three quarters, but um. I don't know. It's, I just think that like it, uh, the way goals thing was obviously massively flawed, but it already feels like these ties are are missing something. Like there was no incentive for or say for Chelsea tonight. Well, maybe it's maybe it is good because for Chelsea tonight, then you know when they got two nil up, 
they didn't have to sit back and protect that two goal cushion. They pressed ahead for a third goal. Yeah. Um, so there are some benefits to getting rid of away goals. So I don't, I'm not saying it's perfect, but I just think there's football should start thinking outside the box in a few few situations the way other sports do. I also would get rid of extra time. Yeah. Or if you're going to have extra time, have golden goal and have it for 15 minutes. Because yeah, golden goal just, was, was just unbelievable. It's shite. Yeah, it's shite these 30 minute long. And you know what? Some teams, some teams are really dead in their feet. So it's going to pack. And you're sitting there for another half an hour watching this going on, just waiting for penalties. Now, either go straight to penalties or go 10, 15 minutes, golden goal, and then penalties, you know, go from there. But um, no, interesting. Interesting what the listeners think. And if they have any ideas, fire them into us um, on our Twitter. Right, from other sports, you know, that's yeah. that'd be interesting because there, there's some wild things that's happened in other sports like that you could introduce in football. Um, as well, like, so we've talked about the Champions League, Stephen and Brenton. Do we have a title race in England? Yes. No. You're right, Stephen. Liverpool are going to win it. Fair play. Yes. Um, but no, that, that, that is what I was going to say. I think. I think City, <laughs> City have modelled it. Um, <laughs> See, like, here's what I, I, I want. Here's what I wanted to ask. Right. Here's what, so, the perception was. Uh, it, end of December obviously Liverpool got beat by Leicester and the perception was then that it was gone it was out out of reach for everyone obviously including Chelsea as well Brian. and uh, City were just far too good thanks just just far just far 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 too good you're world champions I think you'll be alright just far 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 too good for everyone we've never seen the likes but there was a lot wrote Steve by people even you will know and, and I know sort of now through uh, Twitter and different things and podcasts or whatever, who are just eulogizing about this city team and about whatever, and they're so comfortably walking this league and not be touched in Europe and all this year. And what they haven't is if they've fallen away, but I always didn't expect Liverpool to race back in and whatever, but I never thought City would go on and win it by 18, 19, 20 points. I never once got that feeling out of city and I just I found it very weird and even now um there's certain journalists and which is fair enough they might have their own agendas won't won't talk about the fact that within three or four weeks six seven weeks Liverpool potentially if they win tomorrow night have clawed this back to within three points and I'm just it's it's only because it's not because Liverpool this could have been Chelsea could be Man United a team has clawed it back to within three points but they're method or their reason behind it was well actually you know they had a couple of games in hand anyway and really if you look at it City haven't done anything wrong and I just find the whole thing daft like if Pep Guardiola doesn't win this league say and he doesn't win the Champions League what's going to be the, the rhetoric around it then because he'll have bollocks the whole thing he'll have completely fucked the whole thing yeah like to me the biggest issue is like you can't play Spurs twice in a season, get zero points from those games and call yourself champions. <laughs> you, just, you just can't. Like it's it, a new just, rule. Yeah, it's a brand new rule. They're, they're speaking of innovative rules. There, like you just <laughs> like but even still, like the loss to Crystal Palace, the, the two draws with Southampton, like City are well okay. This is not the city that we've seen in previous years that like have one bad result and then go on a run of like 18, 19 games on the feet. Like there is a pattern now of like 
out of the blue, really bad losses. And like I know Liverpool have had their kind of, you know, a, a couple of dodgy draws, say this season that they should mm. they, they had no business like Brighton. I'm thinking of thinking Brentford as well. Brentford. Yeah. Um, but they don't have there isn't a single surprise loss, I don't think, in the league on Liverpool's CV this year. Whereas City now have three. Like, even just on that basis, I feel like Liverpool are more in this hunt than we probably... Or Liverpool, sorry, are more in this hunt than we gave them credit for. And I think the game... We talked about this before, about, like, the difference in games played and the effect that that was going to have on the title. Like, Liverpool are now catching up on games at a time when they have all their players back from injury and from the African Cup of Nations and things like that. And maybe if the fixtures had gone... Sorry? Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but remember we talked about this. Um, yeah, we did. With we did. Uh, players, you know, signing in January, uh, uh, like Diaz, um, also players coming back uh, from the AFCON and injuries. Like it, you know, obviously it, it's open to all teams, but um, it's really, really worked in Liverpool's favor this time around. Yeah. And what the, the thing is, you still have to win those games, you still have to go out and get the results. And for a mm. lot of that game against Norwich, you know, Norwich have traditionally been a team that have rolled over and died for for Liverpool. Um, but they 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 I thought they looked okay. Um, they still look a team going down, but they still performed above what I thought. But Liverpool are missing either. Absolutely, yeah, they are. They like, yeah. which is weird because like he struggled so so much this season to actually start, and then when he actually came in, he was he looked like he should have been starting every single game. But I think. You know they gutted out that that win against Norwich. You could, you'd have to say they did the same against Burnley. Um, they've been comfortable enough other than the Chelsea game, really, since the turn of the year. I would think Liverpool, uh, despite okay. missing those players at Afcon, and I think Diaz looks a really really good signing. Um, as I saw someone tweet, he now has as many goals as Allison um, for Liverpool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, like, I, I think. To me, the game in hand um, and the the fact that Liverpool get to play City still, I'd be stunned if it was. And I'm not saying this; I'm genuinely not saying this to 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 curse Liverpool or to to, to put the kibosh on them or anything like that. I yes, genuinely no, I'm honestly not. I'm honestly not. I think <laughs> they are the form team in the league. And again, it comes back to the results. Like you can't. You can't have the results that say you've had against Tottenham and, and Crystal Palace and win a title and say you're deserving champions. Since Liverpool lost to Madrid last year in March, they've lost two games. Leicester and Crystal pa- uh, Leicester and West Ham. City have lost ten. Jesus. Do you know what Great I mean? Stat. And like I, I tried to say this. It's not my stat I saw on Twitter, I forgot the username. I tried to say this, not the us, um, but the other people um, about this Liverpool side last year when they were going through that run towards the end of the season that there's something building back here again and if we can get Van Dijk obviously helps uh, back fit um, and all certain players back in the squad and people getting running games and people finding form this Liverpool side is going to be there thereabouts coming in the end of the season I know it's still only February they have to win obviously the game in hand tomorrow against Leeds to bring it within three um, which is no mean feat Leeds will come down field tomorrow night and want to do something and they have it within them to do something mad because Leeds are complete chaos. But I, I think 
there were so many people who wrote them off completely at the start of the season, and you're just looking at it going, that is insane. And look, there's a long way to go. They're in position to try and win four trophies, which will be insane. Uh, but just I, I just find it really, really weird. And it's not me being biased, because it's not just Liverpool, but the rhetoric about this Man City side. Yes, they're, they're a good football team. But people were writing them as if this was the greatest all-conquering side we'd ever seen, ever created. And they're really not. Like, they're there to be got at. Um, they're there to be caught. And I, I just, as much as, as brilliant as Pep Guardiola has been, obviously, and whatever he's done in football, I think he's at a point now where if the last three or four months of this season doesn't go his way, he is caught in the league. He doesn't win the Champions League. People are going to have to start questioning what's going on there at City. I think it's only right. And people might turn out smile, but he's had enough time now to do something in the Champions League and do something in Man City. And he had enough chances to run away with the league this year and they never did it. Um, so I wonder, will the pressure then get cranked up on him? Because it get cranked up on everyone else. But he seems to be... I think the, pre- the, the pressure is <clears throat> already too much on him uh, in terms of the Champions League. I think for his, him, he... You saw what he did in the final last year. He he completely outthought himself. Big brain did Steve calls it. Bollocks the whole thing up. Um and I think with that bit of pressure, um, yeah, you know, obviously they're through they're through to the quarter final, but when they come up against a good side, with a bit of pressure from Liverpool in the league, um I, I think he'll he'll bottle it again. I I don't I don't think City win the Champions League this year. Um and also um I think if memory serves, myself and, and cousin Mud um we called this uh, in a pod before Christmas. We said that um there is a real possibility that uh, Liverpool could catch Man City. Um it, it really wasn't out of the realms of possibility. Um City, I remember us talking about the the teams that they still had to play, you know, uh, like they obviously still have to play Liverpool. Um and they still have to play United very soon, um, which, you know, obviously it comes off the back of um, the, the result against Spurs. Um, and they'll, um, I think they'll be, they'll be feeling, feeling the heat from Liverpool. Um, uh, so that game is, I'm sure, like it's kind of Sophie's choice for United. Um, who who they want to win the league, but um, they'll be they need all the points they can get as well. Do you know what I mean? So, um, it's not like they're gonna they're gonna in any way you know lie down for Man City. It'll be interesting. Liverpool have to obviously get three points on the board tomorrow night when they the host Leeds in Anfield, and um, that's the first start. And if they do that, and it's three going into the weekend, at City play Everton. Liverpool obviously have the, the Carabao Cup final against Chelsea, so be another game in hand. So if the City don't win at the weekend, um, <laughs> and teams have another, Liverpool have another game in hand on them, then it could get very, very interesting, very, very quick. Um, I don't think there was Chelsea are back else. on us. Chelsea, Chelsea could be back <laughs> in the hunt. Yeah, um, I don't think there's anything else for us to cover tonight on tonight's football babble. Anything else, you lads, want to jump in quick? Just about the women's uh, U.S. women's national team winning their case to get equal pay with the men. I think 
it's a good sign and we should see more of it going forward. I noticed that RT are gonna start showing more coverage of women's the women's game here. I think Sky are doing a better job than BT did on promoting the the women's league in the UK as well. So I think yeah. It's been a really positive kind of couple of years for, for women's football. And eventually we'll probably just talk about football. That and we won't separate into male and female. It'll just be football. Big thing about Sky's coverage as well, I think Steve is the is the kickoff times. Um they're they're putting them on at accessible times and not yeah, competing with, you know, big yeah, men's fixtures, which just at the minute is gonna yeah, completely dull down the viewership so a really smart way to do it even i've noticed just generally um if i'm if i'm flipping you know the tv on um and there's a game you know say the they had the the chelsea arsenal game on friday night i think it was um which you know doesn't there there's hardly ever men's fixtures on at that stage um yeah. So it's it's really clever, and I think you're right in in the way they're covering it is is better than BT, which actually you know wouldn't be my normal opinion um, on on the coverage. I think BT usually do it well, um, yeah. but Sky deserve a bit of bit of props. And I just actually literally this second seeing RT are actually showing live coverage of the women's FA Cup game between Liverpool and Arsenal. Um, on saturday uh, or sunday at midday so again like that's not something we'd ever seen before on terrestrial television certainly in ireland um and i think with that game as well sorry steve there was talk of it being mo- like originally on uh close to the the carboy cup final kickoff time and the, the teams managed to get a change because obviously they want people to be able to you know to yeah. watch both especially of, of a liverpool persuasion so that's another great thing. And Liverpool women flying in the championship. I think they're 10 points clear now. In the championship I'm hopefully going to be quickly back into the Women's Super League, which will be brilliant for the club if the club can finally... Um, well, I think they are starting to look after them a bit better now. We talked about this before in a previous podcast last season, but hopefully this is a step forward anyway for Liverpool women. And yeah, the women's game, where we're just talking about it genuinely and getting it covered, that needs to be more. We also need to do better too at the football battle, but it is brilliant to see. And US women... Megan Rapino doesn't doesn't suffer fools anyway. I like, can no. see she wasn't for backing down. So fair better than like um great to see. Anything else before we finish? I don't think so. I think me and Mod will cover stuff on Thursday night. Yeah. Um I'd like to might, might get... sit down with Mod on Thursday night for Harry Kane special so we can talk to him about Harry Kane's performance against Man City. Do you know what? Like, it, is worth, it is worth saying that's as well as he's played in three or four years. years. Yeah, like it that performance. I don't know where he's been hiding it, um. But that's the player that Man City were willing to pay hundred odd million for, you know, this summer. But he hasn't shown that in any other game in in years. If he'd have done that in the Euro uh, twenty twenty final, they'd be European champions. Yeah, because he was unplayable. It was frightening, actually. Um, hopefully he has no more of those this season. <laughs> but um, I, I do think he's, I do think he's world class though. Put that to mud on Thursday. Well, I will. Uh, folks, if you're watching the clip, you'll see all the stuff on, underneath the follows at the Football Battle Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Steve's currently pointing at it. Fair play, Steve. Get us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash football babble. 
we are going to move recording uh, the football battle, the main show, to Sunday evening. Uh, this stuff gets in the way now uh, on weeknights for us, so we want to com- uh, continue to do that. So that's going to be coming out on Monday or Sunday evening, uh, coming up on a Monday morning. Uh, we'll let you know about that later on in the week. Myself and Mud uh, will be back on Thursday to do Thursday Night Babble and talk a lot of shit about whatever, uh, mostly him. Pardon me. But enjoy the rest of your week of football uh, and whatever you're at. And if you do click on the Patreon, just chuck us whatever you can. Everything helps for us. And it's brilliant the people that have already uh, committed. Uh, we really appreciate it. And it'll continue. We'll hopefully continue to produce uh, more content. We can't say who it was, but we had an actual published author ask us this week, could he come on our podcast? And that'll be coming up. Uh, I'll just give a little clue, Chelsea fans. That'll be one for you. Um, And yes, uh, we'll speak to you all later during the week and good luck.